Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another lovely day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we will have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by James Daly, founder of DeFacto Design. DeFacto Design is an e-commerce and social commerce digital agency specializing in digital elements. DeFacto's aim is to work with a long-term vision to cement a brand's identity. James, hello. Hi, Matthew. How are you? Very good. Thank you for coming on the show today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Oh, good question. Um, leader, to me, is somebody who sets the standards, um, particularly in an organization. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, a large part of leadership is um, having a clear sense of where you want to go and then trade, I guess, uh, translating that vision into reality. Um, so probably key, key areas would be behavior, integrity, standards, um, probably inclusive, inclusivity as well, so making sure everybody feels they're a part of it. Uh, so to foster community environment in your staff? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I guess that pretty much most companies, the, the most important element is the team. Um, no company runs successfully on its own. You need not only a great team of people who are part of the core part of your company, as we do it, in fact, a really, really great, talented, loyal team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also the people you have to interface uh, with and trust outside of your business. And quite often you're working, you know, as we do, we work with internal uh, teams within brands. We also work with um, their um, um, supply chain, mm-hmm. integrating systems. So it's really important to be able to build a rapport and trust with people. I think that's you know incredibly important both ways. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Um, uh, I, I, my own personal leadership style, I guess. Um, Thoughtful in a way. I try to think ahead. Mm-hmm. And I guess that tends to come across with internal teams and clients or uh, back projects for the long term. I think that's incredibly important. Um, um, I've often backed projects internally with teams where the outcome isn't that obvious at the point we started. But I said, okay, I think this is the direction we should go in. If everybody's in agreement with that, we're going to back it financially and we'll back it to the point it's successful. Um, and I think uh, probably having that determination, I think I, I got that from my, my mother in that sense, uh, tenacity and determination to possibly at times see things that other people haven't quite unearthed and so say, okay, I think that's the area we should gun for. Uh, that's probably... Well, it's interesting that you mentioned your your mother. What other influences uh, did you have on the way that you uh, lead today? Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. But so my mother. And it was in, it was interesting uh, how you referenced your mother in the way that you uh, work and lead today. Did you have any other influences that molded uh, you as a leader? Um, yeah, quite a few. I mean, strange enough, from my family, uh, my grandfather, who passed away when I was quite young, um, but 
was um, always had an amazing kind of aura of strength, but a huge amount of humility. Um, and I learned from that very early on. Um, uh, my mum also carried some of the same traits. I think people felt comfortable in their, in their company. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. I don't think you have to be the loudest voice in the room. Um, I don't think you need to step over people to become successful. Um, so my family in that sense have been a, a large part of um, kind of the influences on me. Um, uh, other people, uh, for differing reasons, um, may sound a strange reference, but on pure intelligence, there's a guy called Marky e. Smith who was a founder of a band called The Fall. Um, and I worked quite closely with Mark a few times and what I really appreciated with Mark was his ability to constantly challenge himself, mm. um, not taking himself too seriously either. He's actually a very funny guy. Um, but I think it was that, that sense of, okay, you've done that now, move forward. Um, very particular mindset like that, Mark, quite tough. Um, but you've got a real sense that he was never going to stand still. He was always going to keep moving forward. And um, despite his age, he died in his early 60s, he was still prepared to take on board new influences. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's very important in life, not just getting too stuck in a rut. You know what I mean, Matthew? I do. Um, and actually, an interesting point that you brought up is not taking yourself too seriously. How important is it for a leader leader to leave his ego at the door? Um, incredibly important. Um, I think, you know, we all learn, learn from mistakes, but I think ego gets in the way of good decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, recently on TV, there was a, a chap who ran Sandhurst the military training college. And he said one of the things mm-hmm. he'd learned was to pause before making a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned that over the years. Uh, I've been running businesses now for 25 years. Um, I think in your early days, you often think you know uh, a little bit more than you do. Um, and the worst decisions are made because you just feel that you have to prove you're the leader, I guess, in that sense, rather than stepping back and taking on board advice from people you you trust, listening to voices that you may not agree with, that you think, mm, okay, I need to need to listen to their perspective. Um, so, yeah, probably at the moment we're in a kind of era of the strong man leader from Putin to Trump, and uh, they do concern me a bit. Um, well, these things do seem to be cyclical. Um, mm. we, we've seen, we've seen this in the past. We'll see it in the future. Uh, it's just a cycle, uh, of things. Um, but the, the thing that doesn't change is that there's always fresh blood coming into organizations. Now, yeah. if you had a, a young person just out of secondary school looking to, um, uh, find a job with you, what advice would you give to them? If it's a job directly with us, um, I would, some of the key things is not to worry too much about the education system. Um, that's not to knock it, um, but um, really I think we're moving to an age of where creative thinking is going to be incredibly important. Um, so you need to free think, you need to think around problems and create solutions, not just regurgitate information. 
So I think nowadays we're in again a, a, a kind of a paradigm shift. Um, you can find so much information. If you really want to learn, you can find everything you need to learn on the internet. Mm. Um, so in terms of actually how we recruit, we, we don't look, um, we're, we're fortunate we get approached a lot, but we don't look for people with degrees. Um, I never look at anybody's age. I never look at anybody's degree qualification. The, the first thing we do is look through their CV, get a sense of whether we think they've really got a passion what they do and the next stage is immediately to get them in and we'll probably know inside 10-15 minutes if they're the right people for us. Now unfortunately our time is drawing quickly to its close but before I let you go what does the next 12 months have in store for de facto designs? Um, exciting really we're, we're, we've got a, a very strong order book with uh, our existing clients uh, we do a lot within the fashion industry globally. So we work with people like Fred Perry and Comme des Garçons. Um, we're just about to start working with Asprey, uh, mm-hmm. the jewellers, Maharishi, uh, renowned fashion label. Um, so very, very positive. Incrementally take a couple of people on, perhaps a London studio, because mm-hmm. we're Nottingham-based, but uh, only when the time is right for us. Well, James, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I very much hope you come on the program uh, at some point in the near future. That'd be great. Thank you very much for your time, Matthew. Thank you, James. Thank you. That was James Daly, founder of DeFactor Design. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did... Uh, score nothing for Essex, uh, my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time being stuck between the two sports and I think uh, for those that uh, don't know there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer but um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated no matter what form that comes in when you were at West Ham Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him, and I've been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. 
he um, he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it peters i think probably well i was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players i did again mm-hmm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of england and west ham and martin peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as martin's concerned i think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looks upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business mm-hmm football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. 
But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh... A, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I've been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and so I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think... Mm. I was just happy to be you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, 
Uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. There's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, "Oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch." So that—I've uh, had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want, you want, you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but I, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did... Uh, um, but then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps 
there are there are people that pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who, um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude. is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but... There's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just... Luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they've they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they. Uh, Ron Green was yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back. Uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of 
not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath and there was nobody, and I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. You... We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude <laughs> alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is showed... team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind and single mind and dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.